A few years ago, one of the kids in my online coaching program said to me, Coach Rebecca, I wish we could just go to a gym and have you as our coach. We would all be so happy and so confident. And that warmed my heart and I was like, oh my gosh, that would be the best. And that comment stuck with me for years. So now I'm going to do something about it. I am inviting gymnasts from all over the country to join me for the first ever Confident Gymnast Camp this August 3rd and 4th. This camp is all about breaking through mental blocks. So if you're struggling with a skill and you want me and my team to help you break through in real time, then check out confidentgymnast.com for details. Hi guys, on today's podcast, we're talking about how to help your athlete when they're struggling with confidence, but they don't want help. So this is for you if you know your athlete is struggling, but they don't want to talk about it and they're resisting all your ideas. So I'm going to go over why kids resist the help that they need, things that motivate humans to ask for help, and how you can actually help without making things worse. And for any families that are struggling with mental blocks big time, definitely check out my free training for sport parents. It's called How to Help Your Athlete Overcome Mental Blocks Without Being Too Controlling, or too involved, you can register for that now at completeperformancecoaching.com slash free. And here we go. Welcome to the Perform Happy Podcast, where athletes and their support squad come to learn the secret weapon for sports success. I'm your host, Rebecca Smith. First, I was a scaredy cat gymnast, then a coach. Now I'm a sports psychology expert and a parent. Athletes, whether you're feeling stuck or you're having the best season of your life, I'm here to help you reach peak performance and maximum enjoyment. Everybody, it's me, Coach Rebecca, and today I'm going to talk to the parents who have an athlete that's struggling with fear or confidence who is resisting all help. So we have a, a mom in the Perform Happy community this week who, I mean, she's been so awesome. A lot of what we recommend when you first come into our group is that you do less. You know, we have our perform happy parents mantra, which is food, hugs, rides, tuition. So mom's doing this. She's not grilling her kid after practice. She's just sticking to her role. But then she's like, this kid does not open up. And she's really resistant to trying some of the tools and perform happy that we know are going to work. So I'll tell you a little bit of how I coached her this week. and. And give you guys some ideas. So whether you're a member with us or not, you'll be able to benefit because if you have a kid that's resisting help and you want to help, it can be really, really challenging. So first of all, I'm going to talk about what to do when your athlete is struggling, but they resist your help. They won't talk about it. You don't know what's going on. So, you know, this mom, she's just driving in the car, kids not talking because she's not much of a talker. And She's like, how can I help her without grilling? It's like the only tool we have as parents, it feels like, is to ask a bunch of questions and then give a bunch of ideas and try to fix the problem, right? That's what we do. When there's a problem, we come up with ideas, we ask questions, we coach, we guide. That's what we want to do. We want to guide our children. But then what if you have an adolescent or a teenager who's like, I don't want to talk about it whether they say that out loud or they just with their body language or they shut down or they cry or they get mad at you or they fight whenever you try to help. So I'm going to talk about why they resist. They resist your help, first of all, because it's biological. 
anyone who is an adolescent through their teenage years, you know, from let's say 11-ish through the end of high school, their job on a biological level is to differentiate from you. So they're supposed to be getting ready to fly the nest. They're supposed to be, if we go in, into you know caveman terms, they're supposed to get pushed out of the cave to find their own tribe. And so what's what's going on is that their fear is flaring up because they're amygdala. They're the part of their brain that is in charge of the fear and the feelings and the emotions is on overdrive because they feel like they're going to have to scan the environment for all possible threats once they get out of the cave and they don't have their parents to protect them anymore. So their brain is like, identify threats, look for threats. So they see social threats, they see emotional threats, they see, I could fail, I could disappoint people. They're just in this like hyper emotional phase because it's going to keep them safe. That's the, you know, probably why the brain is set up this way. It's all about being safe, right? So they've got that going on and they're having to learn how to navigate life without a parent. They're having to consider how to do that. So it creates all this friction. Moms and daughters, woo. I know when I was a teenager, it was not pretty. And my karma is not good for my little ones growing up, but that's okay. We'll get there when we get there. (sighs) But they're supposed to be pushing back. They're supposed to be individuating. They're supposed to be going, that's a stupid idea, mom. And then coming up with a different idea to try because they're supposed to be building that confidence that they can do it without you. So if they're pushing against absolutely everything, great. They are on track developmentally, and they're moving in the direction of independence. So that's the number one reason why kids will push. And this mom was like, do I make her do the trainings? And I'm like, oh, no, alarm bells. No, no, no. The last thing you want to do with you know mental training or any kind of like personal growth or anything is to force somebody to do it. <laughs> that's like the absolute wrong approach. Because if you give a kid something to push against, they're going to push. It's their nature. So we're we're not going to do that. You know, we're going to go food hugs, rides, tuition. We're not going to do that. But then you're like, Rebecca, how can you help my kid if I'm just supposed to drive them? And then you're, they're not going to do the trainings. Okay. So I'm going to talk about the next reason why they resist help. This one happens typically before people join us. The kids don't know they need help or they don't think they need help. They think they're fine. So in our first parent course in Perform Happy, our first little mini course, it's like, I think you can get through the whole thing in an episode of Ted Lasso, you know, like it's pretty, it's short. I talk about the stages of change and you can Google this. The stages of change, there's five different stages from, I don't know there's a problem to there's a problem and I'm taking action actively and I'm solving my problem. And in between those, there's like, I think I have a problem, but I don't know how to fix it. I know how to fix it, but I haven't started yet. I'm working towards solving my problem and I'm in solution mode and I'm maintaining. So you want to think about, okay, where's my kid at? Is my kid like, mom, I'll do anything. I want to get this skill before next season because I want to compete this level. I'm motivated. Tell me what to do. That's a kid in action mode. You know, like they're, or at least getting ready, preparation, they're preparing to act. They're like, tell me what to do and I will act. Those kids are easy, right? Those ones, we give them the trainings, they, they knock it out, they communicate with their coaches and they're good to go. That's not everybody, right? That's not most, honestly. They come in and they're like, I think I need help, but I uh, but I don't know. And then there's some who are like, I don't even think I need any help, mom. I'm fine. They actually think they're fine. So they ha- first thing you got to do before you can help anybody is figure out, are they even interested in changing? 
If not, you're honestly better off being like, okay, great. So it seems like you're totally happy with where you're at right now. And then they'll hear that and be like, well, I mean, not exactly. But you just let them be where they're at and be like, okay, good. So you're good. You are feeling good. You don't need to do anything different. Awesome. I love you. Great. And then just accepting them where they're at often will create a little space where they're like, well, maybe I'm not like totally fine, mom. (laughs) So, and I talk about that all throughout the parenting course. It's like exactly how to use the Jedi mind tricks to communicate with your kid and help them to find those discrepancies between what they say, I'm fine, and how they feel, I don't feel fine. But okay, so now let's say that they do know they're not fine. Why would they resist help? A big thing is that we're identifying threats in all of the environment and it's embarrassing to have a problem or be different. When I struggled with mental blocks, I felt different. I felt less than. I felt broken. I did not want to talk about it. I did not want to need help. I didn't want the spotlight on me while I suffered. I just was like, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to work harder and I'm going to figure it out. And a lot of the time kids are just in that place where they're like, I'm just going to work harder. I'm going to push harder. I'm going to try harder. And that's when you see the kid trying and failing for 30 minutes and getting no progress and coming home a complete heap and not wanting to talk about it because they're like, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to work harder. Those two things are not part of the solution. Yes, effort is great, but effort pointed in the wrong direction actually will decrease confidence more than it will increase it. So they're embarrassed. They don't want to talk about it. Therefore, they're going to try to take it on their own. They have a fixed mindset, which I teach about fixed and growth mindset. Also, that you want to be in a growth mindset. That's the solution, basically. But they don't want to need help. They don't want to look like they need help. They just want to push harder and get it on their own. So all of those things are working against you when you're trying to help your kid. So once upon a time, maybe like a few years ago, we looked at our email list versus people who sign up for our course. And we realized that people who sign up for our trainings, they often were on our email list for a year, a year average. So some were on our our list for two years, some were on for three years. And what, what I think was happening there was that parents were like, oh my gosh, my kid needs help. Quick, Coach Rebecca, what do I do? And then they're like, hey kid, you should try this thing. And their kid's like, no mom, absolutely not. So then mom's on the list, you know, opening the emails and learning and trying to help the kid, but the kid is still resistant, still resistant, still resistant. So how do they, how do they finally kind of fold in and and come to us for support? Well, they get motivated. Kid gets real motivated. And the things that motivate an athlete are typically, or humans in general, as far as doing uncomfortable new things that inspire change, pain and suffering. So basically, these kids are like struggling with mental blocks, sort of hacking through it, having yo-yo confidence, telling everyone they're fine. Coaches are frustrated. Kids frustrated. Mom's frustrated. Don't want to talk about it. That happens for like a year. Then finally, the kid is like on the verge of quitting because they're so miserable. They don't believe in themselves, but they don't want to quit because they love their sport. They just want to get their skills back. And now all their friends are moving up without them and they're doing the level for a second or third time because of that one stupid skill. Finally, the kid hits a wall and is like, okay, fine, I'm willing. And you know what? Like, that's how humans operate. They have to get into a lot of pain. And then they're like, fine, mom, tell me what to do. Even if you had the solution all along, even if you had a master's in sports psychology and you had been there and you knew exactly how to help, 
it would require this willingness in this kid to get them into that action mode. So pain, suffering, consequences, these are great motivators. They also send people out of the sport prematurely because they don't believe that there's hope. Okay, so that's one option is like suffer for years, be on the verge of quitting, hit a wall, finally ask for help or quit. That's like a really common path. I quit. That's how that manifested in me. The other way that people get motivated to change is through trust and hope. One of the main reasons why kids will not want help is because they don't believe in themselves enough to think it will work for them. They don't believe that there's a solution. That was my story. I did not believe, I had no evidence to believe that I could overcome my fear and be confident and actually get a giant on a high bar between the bars. I didn't believe I could do a back handspring series on the high beam. I just was like, I'm too scared and too broken. So what we teach to cut that that cycle of three years of hell into like six months or three months is we teach parents how to build trust and hope for their kid. Because when that's there, then the kid doesn't have to feel so embarrassed. The threats to their brain reduce. They no longer feel like they have to tough it out and figure it out on their own. They start to believe, okay, if I make a change to the way that I think, I can get my confidence and I can live up to my potential. If they can trust their parent unit and have hope in themselves, that cuts that cycle of pain and suffering down significantly. So how do we do that? That is the whole purpose of our peak performance parenting course, which we include in all of our memberships cover the family, the whole family. We want we teach the parents, we teach the kids, and we teach the coaches. And often parents will join us before their kid is open. They know their kid is struggling, the kid's not open to it. So they come in and they do their parent trainings. And what happens in the parent trainings is that first you learn, like I said, what stage of change are they in, how to start talking to them to help them cruise through the stages of change, get a little more awareness of what's going on. But meanwhile, we're building trust. The solution looks nothing like the problem. Instead of in the car asking a million questions about the scary skill, you start asking questions about the human. You start getting to know the human. You listen to the human who has a life beyond just gymnastics or beyond their sport. You start to bond with them. You start to have special one-on-one time with your athlete. I know, I know, where are you going to fit that in the calendar? You make it work. You spend time doing with your athlete what they love, playing that video game with them, even if you don't like it, watercoloring with them, even if you'd rather be doing something else, getting your nails done, watching their favorite show, jumping on the trampoline. I have my favorite example of this is one of the Perform Happy Moms a while back just got on the trampoline with her daughter and started jumping. I mean, when's the last time you did that? Actually get on the trampoline or get in the pool with your kid. I know I'm a lawn chair kind of mom. I'm like, you guys are good. I'm going to be over here. She got in on the trampoline. They're laughing so hard. They're peeing their pants. Moms probably literally, if anyone um, jumped on a trampoline post childbirth, that's always fun. Fun. Anywho, (laughs) tangent. But then seriously, not, not one day later, the kid is like, Mom, I real I probably should get into perform happy again. And and mom's like, oh sure. <laughs> you know, like absolutely. Like the, the resources are there. 
because there was this lightness that mom's like, it's fine. I love you regardless of if you never tumble again. I love you because you are you, not because of how you perform. And when that happens, then the kid doesn't feel so embarrassed to come to you. When you've really stopped trying to solve the problem and instead you start to build the relationship, that readiness for change is going to move. That hope that they have in themselves is going to increase. And you are going to ask better questions because you're not going to be asking questions because you want to get them doing that skill as quickly as possible. This It's backwards, I know, but you're going to be asking these great questions because you want to understand and you want to show that you're listening, not that you want to give advice or fix anything. Then they're going to start to hear the discrepancies in their own words when you're repeating their words back, when you're being a really great listener, when you give up the job of trying to fix this problem and you just change your approach, change your relationship.